0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, my name is Sergio López Pinheiro, and I interview authors on how the portrayal and use of emptiness and allied concepts, such as voids or nothingness or limbo, that we will be discussing today, in philosophical, political, religious, and social studies are influenced by the imagination and construction of physical space. Today, I'm talking with Dan Fox about his wonderful book, Limbo, a really interesting book on this topic that is very, very close to my heart. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me, Dan.
2: Thank you, Sergio. Um, it's really nice to, to, to be here, and um, I'm looking forward to revisiting uh, my book.
1: Um, so as a way of starting, would, could you introduce yourself to the, to the audience?
2: Yes, um, I'm a writer and also a musician and filmmaker and editor. I was um, an editor for Freeze, the contemporary art and culture magazine, for uh, about 20 years. And have worked as an art critic, um, a staff writer for them during that time. Um, that's, that's my general sort of professional background.
1: Great. Um, and uh, you've written uh had two books
2: yes yes Limbo is the 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 second book uh of the two I've written so far the first one um was published in 2016 and that was called Pretentiousness Why It Matters which was a, a sort of an essay that tried to sketch out some thoughts on what we mean when we call something pretentious and where that comes from, um, where our sort of um, suspicions and um, disquiet with the idea of pretension comes from. Uh Um,
1: So today we will be talking about your second book, Limbo. And uh, the book is very, in my mind, very aptly described in its back cover as, and I quote, Fusing, memory, fusing memoir with a meditation on creative block and a cultural histor- history of limbo, Dan Fox considers the role that follow periods and states of in between play in art and life. End of quote. Could you could you expand a, a little bit more on this brief description to tell, to tell me and our listeners a bit more about your book Limbo?
2: Yes. Um. So after writing Pretentiousness, the book I just described, which I felt, you know, had a sort of very clear um, argument mm-hmm. and um, sort of set of um, issues that I wanted to to explore. Um, I set about working on my second book, which originally was going to be um, a, a collection of Sort of travel pieces, I think I sort of initially wanted to write, uh, nothing mm-hmm. to do with limbo whatsoever, and then um, uh, I hit a, a, a you know a bit of a, a a bump in the road, as we all do where I'm um, in my you know personal life and um, uh, and what in retrospect, I think was possibly a bit of professional burnout after after twenty years of working on a magazine. And I found myself totally unable to write, and um, I was, as they say, blocked. Um, and I, you know, I sort of didn't really know what to, what, how, how to kind of go forward. Um, and so um, I kind of st- started looking at this great big roadblock stood in front of me, and wondering, really, kind of, sort of, trying to think about it, trying to think about well, what does feelings, what, what, what is this? Um, feeling of being stuck or feeling like I can't sort of move anywhere um creatively I mean I've always been really interested in ideas that um seem sort of counter to the accepted sort of preconceptions of like the way we think about something so for instance you know with pretentiousness this idea that pretension is a necessarily a bad thing you know I kind uh-huh. of wanted to sort of break that open and look at well what do what exactly do we mean by that you know and uh-huh. Um, maybe there are aspects of that that are very helpful creatively, and mm-hmm. then similarly with like this this idea of like feeling stuck or feeling trapped somewhere. Um, you know, in my years of working in you know l- having a lot of dialogue with artists and writers and designers and all kinds of creative people, one thing that always comes up is a feeling of being. Um, unable to to work you know what happens when you're feeling exhausted what happens when you go into the studio and it's just not working the painting isn't working or whatever Mm -hmm. your project is you're working on just nothing is clicking you know what do Mm -hmm. you do with that and is there a way to maybe harness that as something productive you know how do you get around that block how do you how do you um uh think think your way through it and then you know thinking about that Uh, sort of a broader level in terms of our lives you know the in in western culture we're 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 always sort of you know and i i have to actually add the caveat that all this was done before the covid pandemic Mm -hmm. so the book was written and, and published before our lives were sort of upended by that um you know, Western society has this sort of, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, the, the personal journey. We're always going somewhere. We're always moving, evolving, growing. You know, there are all these sorts of cliches, uh-huh. um, these uh, cliches that the, the we apply to our, our lives, which are all very mobile. And yet everyone, every single person in their life has a moment or a period where things feel, it feels like the field, you know, the field has gone fallow. You feel like you, you you don't know where you're going. You don't know which way to turn. You feel a bit stuck in your job or a relationship or or or, or, or place in your life. And so I wanted to to, to dig into that um, a little bit more. But um, so 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 that's how the, the that's how the book the book kind of came about.
1: Uh-huh. Uh Yeah. In the book, you 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 quote Jeff Dyer. Uh, saying that he preferred the expression writer's dread to the expression writer's block and that limbo is precisely that, at least in part.
2: Yes, yes. I mean, uh, well, he's quite funny about that because he says that writer's block sounds a little bit, you know, kind of like a plumbing problem. That, you know, if you, if you, if only you could just clear that blockage in the uh-huh, pipe, uh-huh, pipe, uh-huh. pipe, everything will be fine. But um, you know, writer's dread is 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 maybe a bit more apt. I mean, in my experience, I think one of the the curious things about writing, especially, is that it it's the one sort of creative discipline where I feel that people I know who do it complain about it more than they do say it's going well. You know, I've got friends who you yeah, know, they're, they're artists, say, visual artists, and they can't wait to get into the studio, you know, the next day. Or, or musicians, I know, who uh-huh. are like, really looking forward to, you know, playing a, a concert or, or getting into the studio, doing whatever. And I always feel that when I talk to my writer friends, and I include myself in this, everyone always sort of, you know, claps their hand to their forehead and goes, oh, I don't know. I didn't really do it. I don't know how it's going. It's, t- you know, I hate writing. Writing is really difficult. You know, it's the one sort of thing. I think maybe because, it's so close that there's no space really between what you're producing. You know, you're not producing an object, which is, you know, sort of outside your body, you know, you're using language, you're using the same material that you use to do everything, uh, communications wise in life. And you're using that for this creative task. And I think that that makes it, you know, particularly sort of, um, particularly hard.
1: So, um, uh, you capture the atmosphere of the state of limbo very well in the book, in my mind, when you say, and I quote, limbo is border country in which you wait in uncertainty for something or rot in certainty for nothing, end of quote. And, and I'm, you're already alluding to, to this, and this is well documented in your book in different historic and cultural um, uh, uh, moments. Limbo is generally seen as a negative condition. Um, and, um, but nevertheless, you, you point to opportunities or positive aspects that the state of limbo can provide. Um, you, you say that limbo is a space in between cultural shifts and uh, limbo can be a space of productive uncertainty or opportunity to world build. Can, you, can we talk a little bit more about this? Could you maybe like give us some examples about this situation?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a sort of point in the book where I'm really, you know, um, thinking quite associatively and freely here. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, if you use the metaphor of travel, um, uh, one is always, you know, you always have to, in order to get from point A to point B, there is Mm -hmm. always going to be this sort of, these points in between there, you know, where, you know, if you're on a plane from, I don't know, America to Europe, um, there's always a point like across the Atlantic where the plane could turn south, the plane could turn north. It could go in any direction, really. It doesn't because it's following a particular set of regulations or guidelines. Um, But there is this sort of space where, well, we could go in any direction as, as, as we go from point A to point B. And I think that um, that for me is is interesting. These points of transition culturally, I mean, when I say culturally, I think I mean maybe more specifically because this is the lens through which I look at a lot of stuff, you know, I think sort of artistically or creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, These sort of points of transition are always sort of interesting to me rather than um, the high point of a given period. So say when like an artistic movement or a literary movement is just kind of coming into being and it's still got a bit of a past in there and it's got some sense of where it might go. That's kind of exciting and nobody's been there before, but it's at this point where there are no rules, there are no regulations. There's no one saying this is how it's done. And then there's no one copying that and, you know, um, sort of, making ma you know, ultimately sort of very mannerist versions of, of 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 something that's already been done. There's this sort of uncertainty, which can be very awkward. Um but that um awkwardness, that awkward sense of trepidate trepidatious searching out, I think is um you know, there's something there there is something productive in that. I mean I yeah. I, I, I I use the the, the travel metaphor because um, the, the origin of the word limbo comes from, it comes from the Latin. I mean, it comes from actually sort of some languages older than that, which mean, um, the kind of, uh, the, 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 the point where the sea meets the land. And mm-hmm. then in Latin, it was used to describe the hem, like the hem of a piece of cloth or clothing and used to describe the edges of something. So like the edges of the Roman empire um and i think these edge lands are quite quite kind of interesting to me you know you're not in the heartland of anything anymore you're kind of you're 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 adjacent to something else you know because an edge by definition has to sort of butt up against something else even if that is like you know thin air it's still another uh volume isn't it Uh um so so um uh so that yeah, so I think these sort of spaces of transition can be can be quite helpful. I mean, in the book, um, where where I write where I wrote that quote that, that you just read, um, that was in a chapter, a short chapter in the book about the limbo dance, um, which uh, um, originated in um, the Caribbean as a it was actually came from a funeral uh, a funeral dance and um one of the theories about its origin is that it's meant to represent the 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 space of transition the middle passage from um africa to the americas um when uh people who had been imprisoned and made slaves were you know it were were forcibly taken from their homeland and um there's a uh some the, the, the writer Wilson Harris writes about how he extrapolates from this idea of limbo, the idea of the phantom limb. So, you know, the limb, the thing that kind of is on the peripheries of your body and the phantom limb being, you know, the, the, the arm that's been lost or the leg that's been lost, but which you can still remember, you can almost still feel, you know, it's that medical uh-huh. phenomenon of the of the phantom limb. Um, so there is a memory of something there, even though there is nothing there. Um, and it sort of it, that in itself sort of presents this opportunity to, you know, take that symbolic missing limb and maybe fuse it to another symbolic missing limb and kind of you know create a new hybrid of something, a new hybrid um, of uh, uh, of place or or, or kind of um, cultural state of mind.
1: Um, the, uh, your book is uh, filled with uh, with. Uh... Examples of of different situations uh, of the state of limbo, and also with your own um, experience um, through the writer's block or writer's dread, mm. and um, also fused with a with a trip in a ship container that you took um, between thingsport and Shanghai. How would you and you do this in a very fluid um very interesting manner but how would you describe then the structure of the book what what is the what is the genre that you that you believe the book belongs to so that our <laughs> listeners can get a sense of the of the of the thing itself
2: um i think it's the genre of like a bit of a mess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's very it is very fragmentary um uh-huh. and it's very kind of a like sort of um associative and and it 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 slides between looking at some of these, you know, cultural or religious origins, you know, historical examples of the way we've used the word limbo and how it's sort of gone from this very religious, largely religious usage into a sort of more secular usage. Um, and then I was sort of trying to relate it to some experience, you know, experiences in in, in my own life. There are the, you know the, the aforementioned sort of writer's dread. But also um, uh, to see if I could tease out a sort of more emotional feeling from it um, that was related to something in my family. So my my eldest brother, um, who's quite a, big, quite a bit older than I am, he left home when I was uh, four years old and right. lived and worked as a sailor for many, many, many years. And But there were long periods of time when we wouldn't hear from him or know really where he was in the world. Um, And, you know, I've always been fascinated by his life, um, even though we haven't really spent much time together. So partly one of the reasons why I took this trip on the container ship from the UK to China, um, which was back in 2008, was just a way to sort of see if I could find some sort of point of connection with my brother's experiences you know i'd never taken a sea voyage before and this mm-hmm. was like a you know it's like 6 weeks at sea on this massive sort of floating industrial um, piece of machinery and it just sort of struck me that the ocean which is this you know sort of vast wilderness would was possibly an interesting sort of metaphor to to look at in terms of limbo you know because Although it, you know, for the natural world, it's it's teeming with life. There is a lot going on in the oceans, but for humans who can't live there, you know, the oceans have generally been regarded as a place that you have to just have to cross to get from one place to another. So this mm-hmm. is sort of like for human beings, you know, it's a it's a it's a sort of a, a transitional a transitional space. Um, but my experiences on the container ship, you know, it was like being in a sort of vast industrial kind of like Trappist monastery, really. Like, you know, um it's very, very set around routines that were designed to help you just stop losing your mind in the middle of the ocean you know Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to see how people can become you know when you're out in the deep ocean for weeks on end it's very easy to see how people can become a little untethered if you don't have regular tasks to do and regular things to look at um so i became quite interested in 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 the sea um and the ocean from from that point of view you know what it what it's like as a psychological space for for human beings
1: so so the book is very um it's very analytical on one side and and on the other is very retrospect, uh, retrospective and reflective on your own uh, personal experiences both uh, as a writer but also in your own personal in your own personal life
2: yes yes i mean it's 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 um it's a very short book it's like it's it's a sort of fragmentary um essay i feel and the interesting thing i've 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 reflected on since it came out. And also since we've gone through lockdown and the the COVID pandemic is um, how I feel like it could almost be a book that I could just sort of continue revising. And that might Mm -hmm. actually be, it always felt to me like a book on the way to being another book. It was Mm -hmm. like a a strange sort of transitionary moment for me as a writer. Um, But maybe that in itself is an interesting thing. I sort of fantasize about writing, you know, Limbo 2 and Limbo 3. And they're all sort of constant revisions of what this first version of Limbo was because I sort of see that as it's almost like an unstable book. You know, if there was such a thing as an unstable book, it would be quite interesting to sort of explore that more.
1: This is like the book is never finished.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you,
1: could, you could continue to write it, but I don't think it would be Limbo 2. It would continue to be Limbo.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think actually that, that that's that's correct. It would continue to be limbo, um, and just sort of just just it would have things added to it, and or things subtracted. Uh-huh. Things subtracted. It would have um, sections swapped around, or moved, or interchanged, and, and fused with each other. Um, that seems to be like that would be a more apt. Um that would be a more sort of suitable form almost for for limbo rather than say my first book where I sort of have some more fixed parameters for for, for what what i was looking at
1: this is this is a very interesting question this um maybe state of uh, incompleteness mm. um, um and um uh, i'm i'm interested in in the relationship between the term limbo and its spatial characteristics. Um, the state of limbo, you first describe it in your book very, very early on. And I quote, I imagine limbo as an extra extraterritoriality without walls, without corners, windows, entrances, or exits, end, end of quote. And you go on to visualize limbo in many other ways. But your first description of limbo is that of a space. And I believe, I don't think that this is uh, unique to you. I think that this is actually mm. common to a lot of people. Why, why do you think that is?
2: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think it, that is how we conceive of it. I mean, in English, you know, you use the, the, the preposition in to, to to describe the state of limbo. You know, I'm mm-hmm. in limbo, not I'm feeling limbo or, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm seeing limbo. You know, it's, it's one where we place ourselves within something spatially. Um, and then I think there's also just the, the you know, the lingering religious memory of, of what, what limbo is you know in in catholicism it's it's this sort of space that's it's not purgatory you know purgatory is like a kind of a waiting room um where you kind of have to sort of sit until all your sins have been absolved and then you can go to heaven whereas limbo is this place where you will never escape um um and um you know there are similar kind of concepts in other in in, in, in other religions. Um, you know, not identical, but they you know you can you, if they sort of feel related. You know, mm-hmm. like the the, the, the the bardo in Buddhism, or, or you know in um, in Islam, there's a you know there's a there's a sort of a, a, a space after death before you kind of go into the afterlife. You know, it's it's like a sort of a again like an, a, a transitional um, zone. Uh, so I think that the spatial thing probably is, is it, I would imagine, is to do with to do with our kind of collective religious memories of, of what this is, of what what this is, and because that's fundamentally, it's very very hard to imagine ourselves as anything outside of our, of of these 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 bodies. So you know, it, it, it's very hard to 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 think of limbo as as being anything other than sort of a, a, a spatial. Concept because that's sort of how we—it's just how we are, isn't it? The nature mm-hmm. of being, I mean, nature of being a, a thing in a body.
1: Yeah, this this uh, tension or parallel or complementary relationship <laughs> exists between the psychological state of uh, limbo or dread and uh, its spatial characteristics. I am I'm, I'm very very drawn to to those. Later in the book, you along these lines you described a very interesting uh, opposition you say common phrases used to describe belonging to signify some form of home are spatial fitting in say or being in a good place emotionally and uh, you also say that the liminal area of one thing by definition has to meet the edge of something else even if that's thin air as you were also saying before so limbo suspends bodies and minds in betweens. so i uh, like this question I was thinking about this. Is limbo the opposite of home?
2: Um, Can we describe it in that way? Um, I think that's a a very interesting question because obviously, you know, home is a very mutable concept. You know, there is... um, Home is... You know, it can be described as, you know, the place where you live physically. Um, It can be described as um you know just where you are in terms of like an administrative bureaucratic political sense you know that my home country you know Mm -hmm. which is just sort of whatever you know passport you have you know if your if your country still exists or whatever um you know because obviously if you're a refugee or you're stateless you know that, that that's another thing entirely um but then, home is also a psychological state of mind. You know, I've um, you know, I grew up in the UK, but now I live in New York, in you know, in, in the USA. And for me, home sort of feels like a number of different things. You know, it feels there is a present day, present tense sense of home, which is New York. It's my friends here. It's the um, apartment I live in. Um, my partner it's 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 my work you know it's my everyday life um and then there's a sense of home like get you know when I go back to the UK which is just this sort of sort of stranger more kind of hard to describe emotional feeling of like recognition you know if like if I get on a bus back in my hometown you know and the bus driver just sort of grunts at me you know I feel like I know exactly what that grunt means you know, but it's like, but where, where does that come from? You know, it's this sort of like deep, granular understanding of like colloquialism, or the shape of a milk bottle, or what cars look like on the road, or the feeling of I don't know the the air in the autumn where I grew up. I don't know. It's these sort of actually very very nebulous, you know, almost quite sort of nebulous sets of affective um, phenomena and sensations and feelings. Um, the, the, the sort of feel very familiar, but mm-hmm. which nevertheless they're not part of my everyday life. So, you know, that's my personal experience of home. But uh, you know, I, I, obviously, it's a, it's a thing that kind of means a lot to different people. So, um, I'm not sure I can quite give an adequate answer to your question: Is limbo the opposite of home? I don't think it's something quite as directly polar mm-hmm. and. Um sort of black and white as as an opposite mm-hmm. um i think it's it's sort of it's it's shade, you know as is apt for a word that means the edges i think it's 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 shading around the edges isn't it mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price, price line
1: um, a very interesting uh, question also throughout the book we we get to know uh, let's say that the, the limbo seems to have or could have its own inhabitants um, and you talk about ghosts and um, and quiet spirits cannot be released from limbo unless an old misdeed or emotional injury is corrected. You're right. Mm. You also yeah. talk about castaways. Uh, you define them as le- the lackless mariner on enforced retreat. And you also talk, obviously, about foreigners or amateurs um, and the detention between a, an expert and an amateur as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, as the grounds for defining foreignness. You say... I quote: The expert or adult is unable to apply what he knows in a meaningful way to anyone outside his own mind. End of quote. So, could could you could we talk about these these characters that that appear throughout your book in different ways?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, generally, we think of limbo. You know, limbo is an involuntary state of being. It's not something someone would choose to go into, you know, the idea is like, once you get to limbo, uh, you really, really want to get out of it. Um, so, you know, let's start with the ghost for instance, because, you know, this sort of, the, 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 this relates to our, you know, our religious memory of, 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 of what limbo is, you know, the idea of the ghost is, is, is a spirit, it's a soul that, um, is unable to, Rest. It's unable to kind of exist in whatever dimension we believe dead souls go to, um, mm-hmm. and it's chained to the present because of some uh, uh, crime or, or or yeah misdeed or injury, um, and it, it, and you know a lot of ghost stories are, uh, involve um, the spirit, you know, kind of being fixed to a particular place, that's sort of changed to a particular place. And, you know, it, it has to be put to rest. So, you know, this is, this is sort of going back to these spatial ideas, isn't it? You know, because we, we're sort of still thinking of the soul as, you know, this sort of ghostly human figure that has mm-hmm. to go somewhere. You know, <laughs> it's like we can't, we can't think of death as being a nothingness or a state of non-being yeah you know, it's a very hard concept for for us to sort of get our heads around you know it, it, you know it, it, and the idea of the ghost is this sort of almost reassuring idea that there is a continued existence for our loved ones but it's just in in this sort of dimension next door um you know it's, it's like the sort of next door neighbors but in a sort of spectral form um and then the castaway um which uh isn't really you know it's that that's a figure that you don't really find it I mean I suppose there's you know a tv series like lost but mm-hmm. generally you don't really find the 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 castaway as a, a sort of a figure in culture quite as much as one one did um you know the uh um in, in the past few centuries um but again it's like it's 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 um a sailor who's you know, ship has been destroyed, or they've been washed overboard, and they end up on. Um, you know, we like to think, you know, a beautiful island with white sands where they can sort of, you know, live this idyllic life and don't have to deal with anything. I mean, in in a way, it's it's the castaway is the one where it's sort of both a nice fantasy you know i don't have to answer email i don't have to deal mm-hmm. with anything mm-hmm. i'm just on this island and i can kind of you know in a kind of almost crypto colonialist way sort of remake it in my own you know uh vision um but you know it's, it's like an enforced holiday but you're going to get rescued i mean there's always like that's always the, the implicit thing with the castaways that they're always trying to get rescued they're trying to um uh get off the rock um, and then the, the other example you mentioned I was, is you know, it's a, a lot more kind of a tenuously um, uh, uh, related to this. But I was kind of interested in the idea of knowledge and non-knowledge. Um, there was a, uh, I, I talk in the book about this fantastic novel um, that was written in Hungary uh, during the um, years of the Soviet Union um and it's called Metropole by Ferenc Karinthy and sorry if i'm mispronouncing his name there my hungarian is terrible um <laughs> uh, but it's this amazing sub- um sort of uh uh science fiction book about a man who is an extremely talented linguist and he's like regarded as one of the best linguists in the world he speak he's fluent in like 20 different languages And he's invited to a linguistics conference in Helsinki. Mm -hmm. And he gets to the airport and he gets on the plane. um, And he's got his packed lunch that his wife had made for him. But, you know, you get a sense that he's very caught up in his own academic thoughts. He falls asleep on the plane. And then when he wakes up, he finds himself not in Helsinki, but in a city he cannot identify and despite all his attempts to use his linguistic skills, he cannot figure out what the language is. He cannot even work out what the language is, the roots of the language are, um, so that he can sort of systematically try and work it out. It seems like the language keeps on changing and people's pronunciations keep on changing and even the letter forms keep changing. And it's this large, very, very crowded metropolis and he just, he, he, he's completely stuck and none of his expertise works. So he's reduced to the state of uh, of, of a child. Um, this person who goes from a, a state of exalted, celebrated expertise is now completely helpless. Um, and I was thinking about that, you know, in terms of education and knowledge, and how a degree, a qualification, is often, um, you know, it, it signals how much you don't know, not mm-hmm. just how much you do know you know, coming back to edges again, it's about, it, it signals the limits of your knowledge mm-hmm. as well as the, 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 the full volume of your knowledge too. So, you know, it, 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 no matter how many PhD, I'm sorry, I'll, if I uh, say anything uh, in, uh, offensive here, but you know, the, no matter how many PhDs one gets, um, you're never going to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's and, and I'm sure that's a sort of a horrifying idea to some academics, but, um, <laughs> uh, I, but I'm interested in that. I'm interested in like the, like the way knowledge is sort of defined or, or also negatively as well as positively.
1: So, so all of these inhabitants um, uh, of, of Limbo, they, they find themselves in these situations, but they, they can never call Limbo home in some ways, right? They no. always, as you say, wanted to live in some manner, wanted to be rescued, wanted to come out of it.
2: Yeah, yes, exactly.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you also about the relationship that exists in in the term itself, limbo, between its secular and religious origins. You've already alluded to this a little bit. Um, and then in the book, you ask, uh, I think, rhetorically, you say, I quote, how do you define a secular nothing into which you can drop anything, end of quote. And the response to this is
2: Limbo, correct? I think so, yes. I mean, it, 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 it's this, um, uh, it's just this sort of, it's, it's the, we're coming back to the sort of spatial thing, you know, because it, it has no sort of defined boundaries or, or anything, you can kind of make it as large or as small as you wish, and you can put anything into it. So I think by that rhetorical question, what I meant was, well, what I then go on to describe in the book uh, are all the kind of different secular uses, usages mm-hmm. or, or, you know, um, places that you find the word limbo. You know, you find it in like, 1940s pulp detective novels and you find it in video games I mean there's even an entire video game called Limbo Um, you know you find it in yeah just describing the the feeling of boredom you get when you're I don't know stuck in a a, 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 an airport waiting lounge or or stuck waiting in traffic or something like that you know it can go it can go from being a, a sort of a very, very huge, terrifying science fiction style concept that you find in a comic book through to just being something incredibly banal. Just a feeling of like, you know, just being um, in a, you know, being put on hold whilst you're waiting to speak to, you know, someone at your bank or something like that. You know, it's, 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 it's as big or as small, it's as vast and sublimely terrifying and as utterly, utterly boring as you like and and
1: at this moment in time it's it's i would say it's mostly or almost exclusively secular it um,
2: it, it is yes i mean the there's this I, I mean i find this it's it's almost funny it's almost as funny as as it is absolutely tragic and awful but um in 2007 the vatican um decided to abolish limbo so this concept that they'd had for hundreds and hundreds of years which was just sort of just to briefly describe it there are two kinds of limbo in catholic doctrine there's um the limbo of the fathers which was basically a place where old testament prophets who were born before jesus christ lived um went and it's sort of like it's, it's sort of often sort of you know um it's, you know, they're, they're there not through any fault of their own. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. they, they existed before Christ and therefore um, were unable to be baptized. Um, and then there's Limbus and Phantom, which is for children who uh, died before being baptized. And the idea with that was that they cannot enter heaven. Um, but because they've not sinned, because they're only babies, um, we can't send them to hell. So we just have to sort of create this this kind of um, eternal crash for them to go and uh-huh. exist in, but they can't know paradise. But that doesn't matter because they didn't know what the concept of paradise is anyway. So how can you miss what you don't know? This was the sort of the justification, but it was like a terrible, terrible thing because um, you know so many people who lost children um, in in. In the early stages of, of infancy were then told who are Catholics were then told by the Catholic Church like well I'm sorry but your baby's not going to heaven and you know this is so sort of very distressing for people who you know if they were invested in that faith in particular it's an incredibly distressing upsetting thing so then for the Catholic, Church in the early two thousands to go. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. It didn't exist in the first place. <laughs> just feels, especially for an institution that's um, got a lot of issues around child abuse. It just seems like a further psychological emotional injury um, to me. But yes, I, I uh, to go back to what you're saying. Yes, it, for the most part, it's in, in almost in sort of it, its usages are almost entirely entirely secular now.
1: And so, in in the book, you you contrast the state of limbo as a state of suspension, you contrast this situation with the state of flow or the search for the optimal experience that exists uh, currently as epitomized by maybe ideas of mindfulness, for example, or other, other, other such um, uh, ideas or trends. Um, but, but could the limbo, or do you think that the limbo could offer any kind of spirituality?
2: That's a great question um because i think the word spirituality obviously is a very very large word that mm-hmm. encompasses encompasses very very many um belief systems and emotions and and sort of relationships to of the self to the world and the universe um <clears throat> i think it's I think it's important to have a number of, maybe one way of answering it is, I think it's important to have a number of different metaphors, really, but through which we can kind of think of ourselves in the world. You know, this idea of like being in a flow state and optimizing ourselves and all these sort of vaguely Silicon Valley-ish um, terms, which relates to terms of like, you know, being on the move, growing—you know—all these the, these sort of seemingly positive um, ideas of constant change and realization and self-realization and self-actualization—and uh, which are always these promises of potential, a um, sort of like a, 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 a kind of a lifestyle carrot, like sort of held mm-hmm. on a mm-hmm. stick, you know, just ahead of you for you to kind of keep running towards. I think it's also important to kind of like. Have other other ways of describing feelings that we have in the world, and you know, it, it, feeling stuck, feeling like you're not going anywhere, like you, you're not moving in the world, is a very real one for a lot of people. And what is there that we can do rather than just say, "Oh, you've got to get on the go again"? You, what, what what if there are things that we can kind of extrapolate from that state of being that might actually be positive? um you know there's the there's the it's almost a cliche but there's the great you know analogy of a farmer and the fallow field. you know the farmer mm. a field you can't continue growing crops on it all the time because the nutrients in the earth in the in the soil will kind of get used up so you have to let a field go you know on your cycle of crop rotation or whatever um so the the the, the, the soil can be replenished so the empty field isn't necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's barren. Um, you know, I think that there are, there are, I, I think there are spaces such as the ocean or the desert where, you know, we're told like, you know, the desert is like a, another thing that I think in. Uh, certainly, you know, in like sort of Western European culture, it, it, it's like this, this, this thing that you're supposed to be afraid of. It's a, it's barren. It, there's no life there, but, you know, the desert is full of life and it's full of things that are very, you can be very nourishing. Like the silence of the desert for one thing, you know, it's not an emptiness. It's, 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 um, there, 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 it can provide one, sense of, one with a sense of scale, your scale mm. in terms of the world and geography and land and the universe. And I think the same with the ocean. I mean, there is a, it's an astonishing feeling to be in the middle of the ocean and just so far from any kind of land and you're just on this tiny tiny speck of metal floating you feel very very small you feel very very small and i think that, that 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 um that feeling never really really leaves you if you get to experience it
1: so that that could be that could be like a sense of maybe a certain a certain spirituality let's say that 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 sense of feeling small or feeling um maybe a, abandon in certain cases that yeah. might, that could maybe.
2: Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, the, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound, I, I, I I'm very wary of, of, getting a bit, you know, woo woo with all of this and sounding like a sort of like a, <laughs> some terrible, terrible, you know, um, religious cult guru or something, you know, and telling people to embrace their are in a desert or whatever, you know, I think I, I, I do not, <laughs> I do not wish to come across like that, but I think it, if there is a way to harness something or harvest something positive from a yeah even a negative experience of feeling stuck, then I think that that can be you know hopefully that's helpful to to someone somewhere along the line.
1: Um, it, it's interesting that in some ways we've we've come back to the beginning of the conversation Dan. so I want to thank you very much for, for this opportunity to discuss your your wonderful book. Thank um, you, Soshi. Before before we leave, I I, I always like to ask, uh, what are you working on right now?
2: Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm writing a novel right now, um, uh-huh. and I. So you know, I've I've never written a long form piece of fiction before. I've written short form fiction, but never a long form piece of fiction. So you know, I'm putting myself, uh, presenting myself with a you know a, a challenge, which is. Um, uh a way of keeping myself on the move, I suppose. But the book is, <laughs> the book is, I suppose it has some connotations with limbo and also pretentiousness. It's 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 looking at an idea of what happens if someone abandons a life of creativity and decides to change track and do something entirely different. So it's about an artist who um, disavows their creative work they disavow what they've made as an artist and they go to become uh, a high school teacher um and um it's so that's the basic sort of uh sort of setup for the book but it's based on some things that I've been interested in um some stuff to do with my family and we have a number of teachers in my family and I sort of want to write about some of their experiences but it's also Tied in with some things that I've been interested in lately around exhaustion and burnout and a feeling, say, at least, you know, within the creative industries, that maybe the creative industries are not set up in a very, very uh equal way for a lot of people. Uh-huh. And why do they you know, why 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 should someone stay within it um if they're feeling deeply unhappy with it? And that I think that there is a lot of stuff that I've been interested in Especially over the course of the pandemic, where, um, but also before this, where you know I'd find in the art world a lot of claims for what the what art can do in the world, politically or socially, which don't really seem to kind of ever become realized or, or seem to actually play out in real life. And so there's a sort of fantasy of usefulness for the art world, which maybe doesn't really exist in the way that they think it or that it thinks it exists. And so I'm looking at the idea of like what it means to just sort of just leave all that behind and go and do something totally different with a life.
1: Wow, sounds super interesting, and yes, definitely connected to your first two books in it's... a in in another way, adding another layer to to these uh, to this to these conditions that you've been already discussing.
2: Yes, I think I think um, I think this is an interesting. You, I'm sure you, as an architect and thinker, you know. Uh, gradually sort of come to realize this with your own work is that just bit by bit one's life project kind of reveals itself mm-hmm. to, your, to you as you go mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. almost as, it's it, it's almost as you move from one project to another you realize that there are these connecting threads Mm-hmm. I and mean, that even if you think you're doing something <laughs> a project that's totally new, maybe it's actually not. Maybe it's just like another angle on a very particular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sort of um thing that interests you. So, you know, this is this is what I'm discovering, I hope.
1: <laughs> Sounds really great, Dan. Um I I I feel that there's like a deep connection with the book that we've been describing today, Limbo, and which I truly, truly love. So thank you. Best of luck with that, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much.
0: 18- Plus.